0: In a make-believe world as vast as Hollywood can offer, there are movies that stood the test of time to us and to us alone. These films may or may not resemble the critically acclaimed classics that have acquired accolades at glittering star-studded award ceremonies, but have won their way into our hearts. These movies are not iconic, but my iconic. Christmas is here again, and along with the turkey chocolate and cheese... We indulge in two festive favourites from the same year as we imbibe German baddies in an action-filled hostage holiday exchange and a modern take on a Dickens classic with Die Hard and Scrooged. Lovely, lovely. Okay, here we are. Tis the season to be jolly. Have been wanting to start this show with that line, as you can probably tell, since before we actually started. But the question I pose to you is: uh, Is this a season that does make you genuinely jolly?
1: Uh, on the whole, it does, but it, it's short-lived in terms of the time span. So you know, like some—I mean, I went to—I went to a customer like at the beginning of November and their Christmas tree was already up. Oh. So they're, they're, they're making the, the the joy of the season try to extend as long as possible. I can't do that because it's full of stress because of kids wanting presents and the rush of going shopping, which mm. I hate and, and all that kind of stuff. So the, the joy is really starts when I finish work on whatever day Christmas Eve or the day before hopefully mm. and then it, it lasts until Boxing Day so I've got probably two and a half <laughs> days of joy of and it's genuinely, and it's more because I don't have to go to work and I can I genuinely genuinely generally turn off my phone and stuff like that yeah. and that's what brings me joy. the most joy what about you? I hate Christmas oh John <laughs> You don't, you don't hate Christmas. No, Nobody hates Christmas. I
0: really do. It's, it's. Why? Gone. I think they always like. This is the thing I'm going to put out there, right? So, as a kid, you love Christmas. It's great. Yeah. You're like, oh, you're looking forward to Prezies, being off school, mm. everything else that goes with it. You can mm-hmm. then get time off afterwards. You got New Year,
2: mm.
0: whereas, and then you get older, and then of course. The magic starts to fade mm-hmm. and um, and then people say to you oh but then when you've got your own kids it'll be fun then won't it? And I'm like, nah. Oh, you don't
1: but you don't see like
0: the the joy
1: in your kids' face when they're when they're opening ripping their presents open and seeing the excitement of Father Christmas and all that. Do you does that not do you not feed off their enjoyment? No.
0: Not one <laughs> jot. Um, I think it's just the idea of, like... I mean, I suppose there is a little bit of an enjoyment in that. Maybe this is my fault, having... Well, I don't know, I say this, every kid's like this. There's a level of expectation, isn't there, come Christmas morning from kids? Yeah, of course, yeah. And therefore, I just think you, flipping in tight, little snotbags coming in here... <laughs> christmas morning expecting this and that and i'm supposed to provide your joy and happiness via material means <laughs> oh, give flipping us it. give us a break wow and that social Amazing. and that joy that they experience wrap unwrapping all the presents it's all gone by the afternoon when they're fighting and arguing over what flipping toys they got and everything else and...
1: well you, you've really bummed me out <laughs> <laughs> like tis, I'm I'm not looking forward to Christmas. It's the
0: season. <laughs> and there's a, what was the quote I heard the other day? Someone like my wife she, she said to me um she read somewhere, I think it was on Instagram, someone had written, We need to treat Christmas like more of a holiday and less of a deadline And I'm like Oh I like that. Well, I like it, but the fact of the matter remains, it's all very it's, well and good it's saying. It's a that. deadline. It's still a deadline, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We've got to get Christmas dinner in. Got to make sure we yeah. go and endure all the supermarkets when everyone's flipping fighting over the last beef dripping or whatever it is for the roasties. Ooh. Beef drip? Oh, go- goose that, do you mean? Well, do you want to hear another <laughs> story? I've got a story <laughs> for you. So, oh, yeah. This is a Christmas story. This is, I suppose, it's kind of a fun... Maybe this is a fun Christmas tradition for me and Kirsten because... Um, one year we went out, we'd come home here to Northern Ireland for Christmas. We were living in England at the time and we went out shopping. My responsibility Christmas day is the roast potatoes. That's my thing. And that's your thing. That's my the roast thing. Is. So I was on a mission to get some goose fat. Right. There was a famine in the land for goose fat. Right? <laughs> I went to Tesco. There was no, t- we went to Lidl. There hang on, nothing. hang on. What, what day was this? Uh, I think it was still in the week prior to. Okay, Christmas. all right. So you have not like left Christmas it Eve. Christmas Eve. Okay, fair enough. It was maybe two or three days before Christmas, mm. and so we go. We said, right, we've got to get some bits from Marxies. We'll go there next. Yeah, fine, swill mm-hmm. from Marxies. Yeah, and then we go, we go to we'll look Marx's at you, and we go. I look down where the goose fat was again, nothing but empty shelves. Wow. And there was another guy who I was kind of half overhearing in the same predicament. And I could hear he was asking about, um, oh, have you got any out the back? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, Marx's man goes off. I'll just go check for you. The minute they say that, I know they've never got anything in. They no, just got they're not the even back. going to look. They're just appeasing <laughs> you. It's <laughs> like, this is a break. Brilliant. I'm going to yeah, go have a break, yeah. come back out and give him the bad news. In the meantime, the man who I've affectionately come to know as Beef Dripping <laughs> 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 finds uh, a little glass jar of Beef Dripping. Right. Right. And which is essentially, it's goose fat. It's just a different flavour. It yeah, it, it's it is beef, Id- not goose. It is. It's identical. Yeah. It's just rendered from fat. cows yeah. rather than uh, okay. geese. Yeah, He finds it he knows that I'm in the same predicament and comes up to me and I don't know whether it was like the stress of the Christmas shopping time <laughs> he came up to me and he holds it up and he was trying to help me out this was meant to be a friendly exchange but in like a semi-aggressive way just goes doesn't even say another word just goes beef dripping <laughs> and I'm like alright and I was like is that where that ends I didn't say this but that's what I'm No, doing. yeah, doing and he's yeah. like It's even better. It's even better than goose fat. I I would go with beef dripping every time. And I'm like, okay, fair enough, mate. Yeah, cheese. And I went for beef dripping, had fantastic roasties, really flavoursome, really great. Wow. And he looked like, which is even funnier because I can still picture him in my head. Imagine like a slightly heavier, weightier version of Neil. (laughs) Our (laughs) mate Neil. And that's what I picture him. He totally looked like Neil, but with a bit of a beard and a bit heavier set. And I was like, that's well, amazing.
1: Neil does have a beard.
0: Well, this was before Nelly had a beard, I suppose. All oh, right, okay. This All was right. going back maybe ten years or so. Um, but every year, whenever we hear about beef dripping, or as we in the run-up to Christmas, and um, we talk about the roasties, I'll turn to Kirsten and go, "Beef dripping."
1: <laughs> <laughs> and is that just the routine now? That's you the, just that's... you don't even bother looking for the goose, man. Nah. You just go straight for the beef dripping. Straight
0: for beef dripping.
1: Oh well. But then you've got you've got beef flavoured Yorkshire um, beef flavoured roasties with with your turkey, with your poultry. Oh yes yeah. So it's that's like a, a, nice... that's, a mi- that's a mix in meats.
0: It's a meaty blend, yeah. Meaty oh. blend. I'm it's... not No, you need to keep it all in theme. <laughs> it's a It heady needs aroma to be in theme <laughs> Beef dripping. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we've talked for seven minutes now about how much I hate Christmas and beef dripping. So,
1: well, I I like Christmas, but before before we get to that, so obviously this is like the Christmas special, and we've picked Christmas films. Mm-hmm. But I, it did occur to me last night while I was watching Die Hard, your choice. Yes, that I think I think we need to lay not some ground rules because we've watched it and it's too late. We've made our selections, but to you, what in your opinion makes a Christmas film? A Christmas film, like what passes as a Christmas film? Mm. So obviously you've picked Die Hard. So the criteria for Die Hard being a Christmas film is what?
0: So for me, I think a Christmas movie is it's invariably set at Christmas time.
1: Okay, I think that is the absolute basic. It's a it, has, yeah, I, it, it has to be set at Christmas time.
0: So then the The actual narrative of the film has to have references to Christmas. It can't just be set at Christmas time. It has to make direct references to the holiday itself and the season, right? Okay. <laughs> Which okay. I, mean, I think you can see where I'm going with this with Die Hard. Mm. Um, albeit I didn't necessarily pick that bit out because it's almost become a little bit ubiquitous over time, hasn't it? That mm. there the, a the lot of the references. Um, John McLean mix. Um, and Christmas music is even included. Okay. So with Run but the these, these are
1: these are necessities for it to be a Christmas. I don't want just like p- picking things at random. I'm, I'm talking about like if we have to say like a, a Christmas film has to include this 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 and this. So it has to be set at Christmas, make reference to, have Christmas music in it.
0: Yeah. And it I suppose the narrative has to include it. So, there was a reason why John McLean was flying out to ah, okay. California to see his family. It wasn't just because he was separated, estranged from his wife and kids. It was because okay. he was going there to be with them for Christmas time. And he talks about this specifically.
1: Okay. Does, does there have to be a happy ending? Does there have, has, does there have to be a, an uplift in in the story. Can can you have a sad Christmas film? Or is there always redemption?
0: I think if it's Christmas, if it is the season to be jolly, hmm. I think there always has to be Yeah, the 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 overarching moral and or general sense of feeling is that of happy, happy joy, joy. Okay,
1: so what about a i know i've never seen this film but what about because there are some christmas horror films i'm thinking yes, yeah. krampus krampus i'm thinking yeah. is there one called like no i'm thinking jack frost i'm, I'm thinking um, there's something around that kind of uh like a evil snowman type there's a thing, finish I can't.
0: a Finnish film called rare exports have you seen that no, I've never even heard of that. Oh, it's quite good. It's um, it's been on Channel Four a few times, mm. uh, or Film Four, and it's it's t- it's a Finnish film based around the idea that Saint Nicholas was actually he wasn't just like I'll give you a lump of call for Christmas. It's I'll come and flip and take the kiddies away because you've been bad. Ooh, Anybody right. who's naughty and Santa, the Santa character little old dude beard and um, uh, the suit and everything. They were actually uh, plural Santas, in, if you Santas like. Right. They're not necessarily called Santa in this, but they were like little precursors to this big Saint Nikolaus that was going to be unearthed via a big Russian dig in, in the <laughs> Baltic region.
2: And, All it's, right.
0: and it's a mad take on it. And um, and how this one family, are kind of these like Santas that go out and check out who's being naughty and nice, kind of thing, are um are almost do they're almost bewitched like under a spell. Mm. And I won't give too much away for those who want to see it. Maybe I should have recommended it. It's actually not a bad film. Um, and what's it called again? Rare exports.
1: I mean, it doesn't sound very Christmassy.
0: You'll see why it's called rare exports at the end as well. Okay, There's a little right. bit of a an ending, a cool ending.
1: Okay, so so there are criteria for for, for Christmas movies. So so by by that summation, then Die Hard qualifies very much qualified. as a Christmas movie. And
0: I think over okay. the years, it, it's been established as people's uh, a staple in people's Christmas movie repertoire.
1: Okay, can I can I just ask one more question then before we get on with the 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 crux of the films? You may. Okay, so there is a debate going on in our household mm. as to whether The Nightmare Before Christmas uh,
0: <laughs> is a, a Halloween, Halloween or a theme
1: Halloween. or a Christmas film. Now, I I have my very strong opinions on this. Okay,
0: me too. So let's hear it. Okay, so
1: my opinion is that that is. Absolutely, 100% a Christmas film. I think you could get away with watching it at Halloween. Mm -hmm. However, it is not a Halloween movie. It is a Christmas movie. Right.
0: Your opinions? First and foremost, Tim Burton has weighed in on this one. Has he? Tim Burton has weighed
1: in. Tim Burton, the writer, not director, that everybody... Uh, gets wrong, but yes, go well, ahead. that's fair enough. Though, if he's written the this, this story, well, yeah, he wrote the he wrote the the book.
0: So, yeah. and I, if I'm honest with him, I disagree. <laughs> okay, um, he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll show him. Um, so he said it's a Halloween nah. movie, nah, whereas I go out about. and say, no, you've heard my criteria for a christmas movie yeah. set at christmas time okay yeah. halloween town common day is christmas yes and does everything that the jack skellington does everything he does at christmas time yeah christmas movie
1: yeah i agree i mean the fact that it, I, I appreciate that the film start the the very start of the film is halloween has happened yeah so they, they've they've celebrated Halloween and then we're we're looking forward then to Christmas and then preparing commandeering Christmas and created their own Halloween type Christmas. Yeah. So for me, it's Halloween's already finished. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, they were the things that were plaguing me. I've ex- exercised myself <laughs> of these, <laughs> so we can we can crack on now.
0: Okay. So which one do you want to do? First. Do you know I'm well, gonna look, I, I'll be go honest on. with you. I'm gonna be honest with you. I know I always like to end on a high. And mm. I'm gonna be honest, I struggled with Scrooged. I struggled, really Really struggled. Well let's hit Scrooged first then. Scrooged first. Okay, well let's find the uh the blurb and we'll get right to it. Don't get me wrong, I did have plenty of notes. Okay. But um not necessarily uh, positive ones. So, this is the description according to YouTube, where it can be streamed. High-spirited hijinks on a Christmas Eve put Frank Cross, played by Bill Murray, in a ghostly time warp in this hilarious takeoff of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Cross who has made the meteoric rise from the depths of the mailroom to TV network president, is mean, nasty, uncaring, unforgiving and has a sadistic sense of humour. Perfect qualities for a modern-day Scrooge. Before the night is over, he'll be visited by a maniacal New York cab driver from the past, a present-day fairy who's into Pratt Falls, and finally, a ghoulish seven foot headless messenger from the future.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. So it's 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 your uh, not I'm not gonna say modern take because it was the eighties. It was the eighties take mm. of the Christmas Carol Dickens classic. Mm. Now for me, this is the ultimate version of a Christmas carol. <laughs> forget your Muppets oh
0: Oh, that's controversial right there
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure that I actually believe that but I adored this film as a kid so this 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 came out in 1988 right so I I was five so I probably saw it for the first time when I was maybe like six or seven Mm. and I've watched it periodically at Christmas time throughout my probably every couple of years I'll 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 watch this so I've watched this numerous uh, 10 plus times at mm. least and I think for me the biggest draw obviously is Bill Murray because Bill Murray is is just brilliant in in almost everything that he's in because he's just so sarcastic and um yeah yeah, I, I I just love his. I mean, he plays the same character in everything that he's ever been in. But I like the character Bill Murray mm. plays in in those films. But I. But first, the first okay. So the first thing that you notice about this film is instantly, Danny Elfman's score. It like just in I, the first few notes, I was just like, right, it's Danny Elfman who's done the music mm. for this because again, Danny Elfman's music. Sounds the same in no matter what film, whether it's Nightmare Before Christmas, yeah. or whether it's Batman Returns, which I could, I should, I, I'm, I'm, in on reflection, I should have picked Batman Returns. Yeah, that is a, that Christmas, is a Christmas movie, isn't it? That is a Christmas movie. Um, oh, I wish you had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, I wish I had actually. <laughs> Um, but one, one of us has got to have at least like a proper traditional out and out Christmas out and out Christmas yeah. movie um, okay so so what so that's what so I've watched that periodically can you have, have you what's your history with with this film
0: my history is I can't remember the first time I saw it I know the first time I saw it I was young enough to find it scary in parts. Oh really? Yeah. Like there was a few shocks, sh- shocking moments. Um, which
1: were what as you as a kid which which bits did you find shocking?
0: Um the guy, uh, when the guy, the homeless fella is he's, oh, when he's he underground and he's frozen to yes. death. Yeah. And he's in yeah. his face and and the camera's getting closer and closer to this guy's face. Mm. And you're almost expecting like a bit of a jump moment. Yes. But it's not if anything if anything it goes down the road of oh, this is a really sad, Mm. awful moment, an awful realisation that his Mm. actions have potentially led to this guy's death. Yeah. Um uh, but then the ghost of Christmas future when he opens his his little (laughs) gown with all those freaky And you see his ribs. You see his ribs and and all these freaky little people that are just trapped in there. These yeah. lost awful lost souls, or whatever, um kind of hilarious now when you just see like little rubbery puppet people behind, <laughs> yeah. behind his um his ribcage, so yeah, I remember being startled and a bit scared by those moments as a kid,
1: understandably um
0: but this throughout the years, having seen it const like more and more over and over, mm-hmm. I don't think I've electively chosen to watch this throughout that time. But this is a big um, favorite of my father-in-law's. So if oh, we've okay. ever been at their house over Christmas, usually at some point Scrooge will be put on, He's got a and good he'll taste. be watching it. So I'll just be watching it um, vicariously. Because I, I have to. <laughs> yeah, fair enough.
1: Fair enough. Now, obviously, the the the, the opening is is a, showing a fictitious. Christmas movie that they're going to show on their TV station, yeah. and it's called—is it called something like "The Day the Reindeer Died" or something, or "The Night
0: That rain, the oh, Reindeer"? Oh, the, the the opening one with Santa and they're all told. Yes, up and, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and and Lee Majors. Lee Majors comes. rocks up. Now, obviously, uh, Lee Majors is before my time, mm. so I didn't know who Lee Majors was. I don't. I've
0: never watched Six
1: Million, the man. million Dollar Man. Is that, yeah, is, I, is that in
0: fairness? If they didn't spell it out during the opening yes. scene, I probably wouldn't have realised who that
2: was. No.
1: <laughs> but did, one thing I noticed, and this is the first time I've noticed it, there's a female elf who works in, in, the, in Santa's Grotto, mm. and she reminds me of Smell from This Is England. Oh, really?
0: Like, she's got the hairdo and everything. Yeah, yeah a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I suppose... And, like,
1: that. her facial features look a bit like smell. Uh, well, I suppose there You'd is... You'd have to go back and have a look. There
0: is something about the elf hairdo that potentially could resemble yeah. a female skin boot boy or boot girl look.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, uh, it was it was just a passing thing. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then they... Um, so then, obviously, it, it, this is all just like part of the pro, the Christmas promotion, and it's like showing on L B Is it? What, I was going to say be, IBC. IBC. IBC, which is the the TV show, and then obviously Frank, you know, is d- displeased with with the fact that it's all kind of like traditionally uplifting and you know Christmassy and really nice, mm-hmm. and he he wants a um, something quite. Quite different, and this really paints the picture of the kind of person that Frank Cross is. But I think he's got a great—I think it's a great idea. So they're—they're trying to promote a a live, which again, this would never happen on Christmas Eve, but a live rendition of the Christmas Carol. Mm. Um, And he, you know, he just. (laughs) He just tries to strike fear into people by... And he talks about acid rain and, like, terrorism. That was one of the
0: first few chuckles for me. Like, uh, up to that point, I was like, oh, man, this isn't as funny as... I I don't really think it is. But there was the one where it talks about international terrorism and then it just cuts (laughs) to the aeroplane and just explodes midair. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is all pre nine eleven as well. So you're like, oh yeah, strength. of course, yeah. You <laughs> wouldn't get away with it now. <sighs> no, no, that kind of joke. But it just but it catches you off guard to the point where I did have a little chuckle at that moment. Yeah, with his yeah. Fear, his fear factor um, promo for his his TV show.
1: I mean, they, they, it really comes in with a punch because then then you notice you've got Zed from from Police, from Academy. Police Academy. Yeah, it was just it was just a, an underling in it in his. Um... In this TV station, mm. um, and also uh, links into to Die Hard, which we'll come to. But one of the execs who's at that conference table, mm. she, she's also in Die Hard.
0: Um, what well, you know? She's the, the
1: news reporter, the news anchor. Ah,
0: uh, well, do you know what? Interestingly enough, these are both 1988 films as well. Yeah. So it's amazing. Like two two movies from the same year.
1: How how old do you reckon Bill Murray is in this film? Oh, when this... Okay, let me put this. When this was filmed, how old was Bill Murray?
0: Oh, early 30s, maybe? Oh, do you not think he looks really, really old? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably being a bit generous there, to be fair. Um, but I would say he looks... I mean, his skin... Like he's he is scarred mm. and marked, yeah.
1: <laughs> quite- and I think that's what I, that's what aged. He was he was thirty eight, right, when, when he made this okay. film. Right. But it, I, to me, he looks well into his forties. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, Bill Murray. You were talking about his his sarcasm, and the yeah. one thing that I just kept. Especially during the Christmas past scenes when it cut to him when he was younger and he's forging that relationship that he ultimately gives up on with Claire. Mm. Um, Yes. Every time he spoke, it's just like, I can just hear Garfield. I'm just hearing Garfield every time he speaks. And I'm like, this is is weird. It's like when you're a kid and you've watched cartoons with people's voice and then you see him in another TV show for real or a movie and you go, that's the voice of so-and-so. I just kept hearing garfield whenever he spoke
1: well i I tell you what took it out took me out of the story was because they go back to i think they go back to 1955 um or what i can't remember what, what year they go back to but they oh yeah they they go back to 1955 mm. and he and he's supposed to be four years old in 1955 <laughs> right. right and then they jump to 1968 so they jump 13 years into the future and when he started like to, but till... well, he's thirty eight oh and he's supposed to be seventeen or eighteen. No, no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's wild. And he does, They don't like try and like make him look any younger. They literally just put younger clothes on him, yeah, and like, and and the way he acts, he doesn't. He doesn't act younger or anything. He acts in the exact same ways when he's. Th- I didn't even realise because I thought yeah.
0: when it cut to that point oh like yeah he's in his 20s now he's he's doing the dope. <laughs> no, I, I didn't realise he was just that young check,
1: check the years yeah 13
0: years earlier uh,
1: 13 years later oh dear it. but yeah that took me out
0: one of the things that I think going back in time one this is an 80s movie and of course yes. then they go back in time to his childhood is it's indicative of a lot of the social fears associated at the mm. time with TV and TV consumption yes, right. and the fact yeah. that it would appear that in this particular film that TV is the root of all evil when it comes mm-hmm. to people turning out wrong or bad or having their you know, he was there as a kid go up in at the TV as a four year old he yeah. goes to work at a TV station becomes a TV president uh, the station president, and it just becomes this spiral out of control. This sociopathic <laughs> nutcase, all because of his increased engagement with TV
1: and wanting eyes on his TV channel oh, during. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it, it is it, that that is interesting. Whereas now we would say it would be TikTok oh, or your phone, YouTube. Just your phone in yeah, general, just social media. But does that mean then that we just have the same fears that they had in the 80s which ultimately did us no harm I think
0: Uh I think there And are... will
1: this will this do no harm in the same way it didn't
0: really warp our minds Well you say that I think it probably did do something to us psychologically I think we we consumed the media that was available to us in the same way um, kids nowadays consume the media that they do. It's just a different outlet. And I think the consequences are different. So
1: What what do you reckon the consequences?
0: I would say like for us, even though we had access to TV and movies and that was like the media that we consumed, there was still a sense of, well, you've got to wait There's there's a TV schedule and you've got to wait for that program to come on. There's a movie coming out. You've got to wait for that to come out. There's music Mm -hmm. that you have to go somewhere and physically get in order to listen to it on a CD. Whereas now, because everything is just so instantaneous and you can Mm -hmm. have literally every song that is ever content, there is literally every song that's ever been made on your phone. Yeah every video you could and film and TV show that you could possibly want to watch on your phone. Mm -hmm. The idea that people have to wait for stuff and or people's attention spans are just shot. Don't get me wrong. I love the fact that there is so much more stuff accessible now to a generation of people and my kids that I never had. Mm. um, So that you can expose them to more of the world um, in a cultural sense but then, without having to actually literally and really experience it, still maybe a bit more of a virtual digital experience for them.
1: Okay, well, let me, let me bring it back to the film.
0: On that you note, know. actually, in fact, uh, to do directly with the film, it's interesting how <laughs> the, the international preconception of Chinese food containing cat meat is perpetuated... <laughs> In more than one scene in this movie. Is it? Yeah. This completely passed me by. Like he makes a joke of it even. Does he? Yeah, because the, the woman, so when they go back to Christmas past and hmm. the one lass who, of all things, during that particular Christmas party is sat on the photocopier, photocopying her ass yeah. and handing out pictures of <laughs> pictures of that. Um, I'd
1: love to go to a Christmas party where that kind of thing's going on. I've never been to it. That's I've never experienced that in my entire life.
0: Well, I actually made a note of that because at first, I was like, "Oh gosh, goodness." That's me. just a stereotype, isn't it? It's a stereotype. As somebody's well. got to photocop- photocopy there. copy their ass. But their she's bun. doing it, and handing it out to all the fellas. Merry Christmas, fellas. Blah blah blah. <laughs> and it's just like how titillated, realistically, especially looking at the actual end result. <laughs> yeah, would I yeah. be of a photocopy? Ever a co worker's arse. Female I tell you or what, otherwise.
1: Well, I, and obviously you were there for this, but the greatest photocopy ever taken was when we photocopied <laughs> 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 When we photocopied Joe's face <laughs> um and and I what from what I can remember there was there was snot, coming, there was snot oh. coming out of his nose. But the thing that was most stark and most um, kind of um, shocking was that he had his eyes wide open.
0: <laughs> yes, I remember this. It's like, how have you managed to keep your eyes open as that he... blinding light <laughs> just draws across your face? <laughs> Yeah, do you know I was struggling to remember then until you remembered that one detail. Yeah, that was great. I'm surprised in amongst all those hijinks, nobody thought to do some other body parts.
1: Well, I'm I'm not privy. I'm not privy that anybody actually did, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah, that does surprise me actually because. Remembering what we did with the, with the pin art thing, it the, <laughs> it it goes. You know, you would think it would follow that somebody would would do that.
0: I recall at primary school, there was a side room in our class in year three, I think it was, which had a photocopier in which we we managed to gain access to. We'd been entrusted stupidly <laughs> by the the, the teacher. To be shown how to make photocopies so that whenever he needed something to do, and he said, oh, lads, can you go give me 30 of these, please, for the class, for the lesson this afternoon?
1: As a, what, as like a seven-year-old?
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. And so off we went to the copy... I say the copy, it was like, literally, it was almost like a store cupboard-sized room Mm. in the class. And he gave us the thing to go copy. We'd go in, and we'd make the copies come back, cheers, there you are, Mr Johnson. And, um... One day we thought this is too good an opportunity to miss to have mm. access to this room, and again, no body parts at that point were photocopied, but I believe a few uh, fingers doing the oh your hand gestures flipping off yeah were yeah. placed wedged into the uh, the photocopier machine, and um, but then we were all he 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 one of us kept it. We're all giggling away at the table. The teacher comes over, snatch, takes it off the person and <laughs> opens it up to five. No. This literally being flipped off by one of his seven-year-old pupils <laughs> in paper in front of him and us getting into trouble for that. But yeah, that that with the the, the Chinese food, because she asks him then, oh, do you want to come come out afterwards? We'll go get some Chinese uh, food. Oh, yes. And he says, no, you shouldn't eat that. It's got cat meat in. Then he meets his the girl who he's really into, Claire. Yes. and then she makes the same offer. Do you want to go get some right. Chinese food? And then he goes, eh, pulls a face, oh, and then he cuts away okay. to the next scene. because he's uh,
1: made. Do you know that's never occurred to me? Even though I know exactly what you're talking about, his facial it never. I
0: never got what that was, mm. and that's just because I'm thick. Yeah, so there you go. Cat food, Chinese food.
1: Well, uh, and. What I was going to bring up is, so we talk about how like, um, or, or some people start wringing their hands about like the content of, of movies nowadays and how things have gotten gotten worse. I think the eighties was like possibly one of the worst decades for inappropriate things in films aimed at too young an audience. So mm. I th- I I think this was always posted as sort of like a family film. I know like I when I'd have watched it it would have been on TV so it would have been edited. Yeah. So like you the, the bit where the the first um ghost the golfer ghost is like hanging him outside the window and and his arm like snaps off. Oh yes. That would have been that would have been heavily edited so like that you wouldn't actually see the see the the, the you know the the bit where his arm like breaks, you yeah, just yeah. kind of they'd have edited around that. But like, so the dancers that are on the the, the Christmas Carol <laughs> yeah. and and the the woman points out that you can see her nipples, yeah, and it just shows like you can just see like the t- the, the areola, the top of the areola, oh, yeah, she's
0: there.
1: yeah, and it's just like blades it. And I think this was a it might have been a P- PG. Well,
0: yeah, I'm watching it. And Kirsten asks, she says, "What rating is this?" Because she's like, "There's multiple use of language and swear words, yeah. on different occasions, yeah." Some of the, even though it's comedic horror, it's still quite yes. graphic. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. And I looked up. I thought, oh, it must have at least been like a twelve or something. But now, yeah, it's a PG, totally a PG. Whether it's been wow. re reclassified since right. then, I don't know.
1: But even then, you think like. Can you get away with nipples in
0: a? I know you don't see the whole, well, the whole nipple,
1: but it's referenced. Full like, we know what we're supposed. <laughs> we know what we're supposed to be looking at.
0: I think it's yeah. I think you have to go full nip before full nip. It's an immediate <laughs> fifteen, isn't it?
1: Is it? Is that what it is? Yeah,
0: immediate fifteen.
1: So you can't have bare no because in Titanic aren't there bare breasts in Titanic and that's yeah, a twelve? But
0: the... Maybe it's the context then. Maybe it's like.
1: Ah. Uh, because that's not necessarily for. Because for, she's just posing naked.
0: It's artistic, literally, in, in that instance.
1: Yeah, right, it? okay.
0: So in, it's almost right, like what's the difference between that and a Renaissance painting? Ah, okay,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm clutching at straws there. You are clutching at straws. Um, But there must be some reason in behind it. Whereas in Scrooge, it's like, look, we can see her nipples cut to a shot where we're looking now at her nipples. Yes. The fact that we can see them. But if anything, all it did was then draw attention to another guy who I found myself laughing at, was Mm. the shameless dance choreographer who pretty much... (laughs) Modelled himself on James Brown, yes, with like a yeah, long, I noticed that long, like permed hair. Yes, he's got like a, a, a shell jacket on, some tight pants. Mm-hmm. Did he have fingerless gloves? He might have done.
1: I don't remember seeing the gloves, but I I looked at that and went, Yeah, this dude is James Brown. I, <laughs> I just wanted him. I thought at one point he was going to go, Take me to the bridge, <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, hit me. and then he was going <laughs> to do like, but it's the fact that. Not only are we brought to an awareness of the fact that he is utterly shameless as he drills them in their suggestive dance moves. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. and then he's he's getting down, clicking his fingers and all, and it's just like, oh, dear, yeah. This was just another excuse for the audience to then ogle, said scantily clad women. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, and, and there's a theme. I think that, again, the 80s was just, just one of those... It, it was... It was a new world and we were exploring new things and seeing pushing new boundaries and seeing what yeah. could be gotten away with.
0: Or it was just uh, a reflection of what was probably going on at the time, which is to say women were just being objectified in every sense in Hollywood from the top down. To yeah. Home.
1: And not a lot has changed. I know I, I appreciate things are beginning to change, mm. but
0: well, it took some pretty drastic things to happen to make that change. People had to wow. be caught, didn't they? Yeah, yes. Had to be caught right. and imprisoned for yeah. that to happen. <laughs> and we all know who I'm yeah. talking about, don't we? Yeah. Yes, Harvey. So whoa, the, whoa, 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 um... you just said his name.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine because he's a commi- he's convicted rapist. This That's true.
0: No, I know I'm saying, but I don't even want to give him any kind of... Oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Any kind of credence. Other but whenever he when was a rapist.
1: Yeah. <laughs> whenever his name comes up on a film, I'm always a bit like, Ugh.
0: Is it, Whose money is this putting uh, Yeah. Whose money
1: is this putting money into? Yeah. Oh, it's bad. I'd say, okay. So, Bill, I, I'm going to give you some instances of where I think Bill Murray is genuinely hilarious okay. in this film. So, when they're at the restaurant and he is um seeing he he's mm. having that vision of of the guy on fire yeah and his reaction to seeing the guy on fire his facial expressions are just just amazing because obviously he's he's flitting between this, the his two eating companions his, his meal companions and the fact that they're just straight-faced and just talking business and he's like Seeing this guy on fire and not really understanding why nobody else is reacting to it, and so his face is kind of, it keeps going from like straight to kind of like shock and horror, and then back to kind of like confusion and yeah. and uh, and stuff. I think that I think that is br- absolutely brilliant, and just again goes to show, uh is acting chops in in very subtle ways. <clears throat> so I read a thing about like um the di- the director was richard donner who also directed predator and he also directed really? yes oh, wow. and he also directed and this this makes more sense the goon is um but they they i think bill murray and richard donner did not get on and it makes perfect sense because i think bill murray doesn't like to follow scripts very mm. tightly i think he likes to ad lib and he likes to do what he just whatever he wants to do in the moment well and he was a frustrates. he was a saturday night
0: live guy wasn't he right yeah so that yeah, from a comedic yeah. sense he's going to want to do it like it's a live performance not necessarily yes. a really rehearsed script and,
1: and i also get the feeling that, that bill murray isn't like the most studious in terms of like learning his lines and the script and things because mm. I, I for the, the story I, I've i heard about it was one of the Garfield films because I think, has there been two? Any, I've never seen By any time, of the Garfield yeah, I've, I've seen never them. seen them but basically he didn't follow the script in any way shape or form for <laughs> for one of them that he literally just did whatever he wanted to do like, there was a story that was driven obviously and, and and, and there's a narrative to it, yeah. but he just basically threw the script out the window and just said, "No, I'm, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and like it or lump it, kind of thing." And I, I get the feeling that he did that quite a bit in in this because rewatching it, it is a bit of a mess. Mm. Like I think that it's not the greatest. He's not the greatest character like
0: Scrooge, Scrooge, Frank. No, I, mean. I mean, does it have it, to be though, really? Because in as much as we know this is a take on Scrooge, so we know the story and we yeah. know where it's going. So if anything, it's like, well, why not just let him do what he wants? What he wants.
1: Yeah, maybe. I, I, I guess the, the trouble I have with it, and I, and I was, I was, I rewatched afterlife um, recently mm. And this I think the same problem is with afterlife as there is with this. Because Ricky Gervais, whenever he's trying to do sentiment, I never find it comes off as genuine. Mm. So so in those moments in this, when he's having his realisation at the end of like, you know, humanity and we all need to be kind to each other, and and we all need to, you know, you know, Merry Christmas. What what, it, what does Tiny Tim say? Not that his name's Tiny Tim in this, but what? What's, oh, Merry Christmas, God, God, everyone. and God bless, God, God bless, God bless us, everyone. us, everyone. So when he comes to that kind of the realization, the big redemption part, mm. is that it just doesn't doesn't work with Bill Murray because I think he's too sarcastic, mm. and sent it just sentiment doesn't it isn't his forte.
0: Yeah, I, I thought that during the moment where he finds the frozen homeless guy, where it's mm. clicking that, yeah, he's dead and he's he's not coming back and I've played a part in that and he's trying to, come on, revive him and right. wake him mm. up and then he's trying to almost be serious about it. It's just like, ah, but mm. up to that point, you've just been joking around the whole time so I'm not really buying the the serious yeah. moment that this is meant to be.
1: And I... Like, I, I j- the trouble is, is that when you, when you come to critique anything like this, is that the more you look at it, the worse it becomes because it's not, it's not supposed to be critiqued. Yeah, <laughs> It's supposed to just be kind of like a Enjoyed. bit of fluff. Yeah. yeah. And it just, just don't worry about it. It comes and it goes and don't, don't worry about it.
0: But the thing is, this is probably why I struggle with it so much. From a comedic point of view, I watched it and I don't want to. Piddle on your Bill Murray bonfire too much. <laughs> um, piddle away. But I didn't. I didn't find it funny, per se. Mm. There were a few moments where okay. I was caught off guard, and I thought, and I found myself laughing like the terrorist. <laughs> the guy just explodes, and um, the moment after he, he like you were talking about, the moment in the the restaurant where the guy's on fire and he runs up to him and throws the water on him. And it's just mm. like, all right, well, yeah, okay, haha, ha. he's throwing water on him and he wasn't actually on fire. But then he goes to walk out and falls over on the wet patch on the floor. Yeah. Like I found myself laughing at that because it was, it was funny. I, that wasn't
1: scripted, yeah, He genuinely totally just fell over. You could
0: tell, and it's just like, because it's actually <laughs> yeah. quite funny. Um, so it's those kind of moments where I found it more funny than, if I'd have been watch- watching it maybe when I was younger, I probably mm. would have found it funny, whereas I think as I've gotten older, the comedy hasn't aged with me as yeah. much. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, I, th- I think that's true, and and yet it's still it's still enjoyable enough for me to go back and watch.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I like the idea that he, as a four or five year old, his dad brought him some veal. <laughs> I like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, some veal chops. Uh, Noah van. And that, that, from his Wales dad. World. Yeah, well that's that's Bill Murray's brother. Ah, of course, yeah it is, yeah, it totally is.
1: And and the guy who plays Frank Cross's brother, mm. I I forget his name, the one who gets the the Pioneer VCR, which yes, is Yeah. That's that I mean that's proper old tech.
0: Um that's Bill Murray's brother. Uh, do you know what? I was thinking <laughs> that I I knew were the older guy and I'm looking yeah. at him going, he kinda looks like he could be his brother. They've cast him Riff. really well. <laughs>
1: a, a better looking Bill Murray. Yeah,
0: he's like a younger, younger. fresher, a fresher Bill yeah. Murray. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, we talked earlier about happy endings and yeah. Christmas movies having a happy ending. And of course, this is Scrooge, isn't it? So we all ultimately yeah. know We know what's gonna happen. What's yeah. gonna happen. He has his his come to Jesus moment, he realises what's going on with his own life and then embraces Christmas for what it is maybe I needed to see this movie of Scrooge myself so that I could truly on Christmas morning say God bless us everyone now open your it presents to occupy yourselves in difference. another room make yourself scarce and stay <laughs> quiet so I can enjoy the rest of Christmas day <laughs> I've got Christmas movies I want to watch you're not watching that stop fighting oh you see you just it capitulates from there
1: yeah well I'll tell you what ruined the ending for me was the terrible like everybody on this side sing and everybody all the men sing and all that sing along (laughs) the most cheesy awful yeah don't get that anymore do you
0: no like a a credit scene during the end credits
1: yeah thank goodness it's a terrible terrible thing
0: well if there's anything less or anything else you'd like to add to Scrooge, no. before we start. well, a,
1: okay, just just one other thing because again, there's a sort of link into Die Hard, and I'm trying to find oh, yeah. as many links as possible. A so, so in one of the in the homeless shelter, you've got um, the the mom of the the Fratellis, you know, in in yes, in the Goonies, there, yeah, Mommy Fratellis in. And we'll come to Die Hard because somebody another Die Hard another (laughs) another Goon is in (laughs) Die Hard. He
0: is. Yeah, I picked him out because we we need a Hollywood working class hero, don't we? For for some of the each each uh, recording, each episode. So yeah, we'll we'll come to that. We'll see who that is. That'll be a nice surprise, won't it? (laughs) Sorry.
1: Do you know what? I've made a huge mistake. Richard Donner did not did not direct Predator. Uh, Alright. The director of Die Hard directed Predator. <laughs>
0: right. Okay. Thank you. i made a huge I did stick. think it was very very tenuous that connection.
1: I knew I'd written it down somewhere
0: wrong film. That I apologize. That would make much
1: more sense. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah, that does make more sense.
0: Brilliant. Well, so Die Hard, like I say, this has made its way into people's Christmas movie list mm. over the years become more popular. Wasn't always um, 1988 much like Scrooged uh, here is the blurb so this is according to Disney Plus, this is where I watched it um, so facing Christmas 3,000 miles from his estranged wife and two children New York policeman John McLean, played by Bruce Willis, flies to Los Angeles bearing presents and hoping to patch up his marriage stylish and cool Hans Gruber, played by Alan Rickman, is in Los Angeles as well for the holiday season but he's not there to give out presents, if you know what I mean. (laughs) He's there this is pretty literal he's there to take more than 600 million dollars in negotiable bearer bonds from the multinational Nakatomi Corporation, obviously uh, where McLean's wife Holly is an executive. When the takeover becomes hostile, it's up to John McLean to take on the terrorists with all the grit and determination he can muster, but not without the sense of humour. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know. Why did they throw that last line in there? I know, mean, it's so terrible, because
1: it makes it sound like there's there's a real comedic undertone. Oh, it's an action comedy.
0: I'm going to watch yeah. that. Lead us to say it is not. There are bits of... Uh, comic relief throughout the movie yes Uh, but But isn't
1: that true isn't that true with life like it's just a reflection on life that there there is comedy in you can find comedy in all things but like it's not
0: yeah in some of the darkest moments you can find something to to cheer you up (laughs) as
1: as John McLean does in one of the moments that I want to point out but we'll come to that
0: okay so Die Hard now this this for me I picked this one um, this is another we've talked about this particular phenomenon for those who grew up with older siblings this was a, an older brother special this movie mm. so I would have seen this again when I was both far too young to have watched this particular movie which is rated 15 I want to say I was still in primary school I probably mm. was again I want to say that this particular movie wasn't a pirate copy But it was recorded from Sky movies by a friend of my brother's Mm -hmm. who had Sky. We didn't have Sky um, in our house. But my brother obviously knew someone who did and then said, Oh, Die Hard's on. Here's the tape. Can you record it for me? So that's how I would have seen it. And we watched it on, um, this is going back to some old 90s tech. We had... um, a portable TV VCR player, so it was like oh
1: with, with the TV and all, then the VCR under, one, underneath. One a combo,
0: combo, yeah, like a combo. Mm. Uh, it typically lived in my mum and dad's room, but because mm. it was portable, obviously you could take it to wherever. You... <laughs> I say portable; <laughs> it weighed a ton. Yeah, it was massive, it and it weighed a ton. It must—I can't remember what size the screen was. That must have been about. Oh, maybe eighteen like, inch. It's eight, probably yeah, about an eighteen <laughs> inch uh, square. Eighteen inch, yeah, four by three square. Yes. And then if you watched movies on it, I don't even think it letterboxed them. It just squeezed. No. It would have just. I don't even know how it would have interpreted the a- aspect ratio of a, a VHS. Like it, now, of course, if you stream it, it'll letterbox it even on a sixteen yes. by nine widescreen uh, TV yeah, anyway, that's kind of right. So we, we got it into our into our room and we, we would have put it on. Sneakily. I've got secretly. Turn the sound down a bit. <laughs> yeah. And then there might have even been occasional pauses if we thought our mum and dad were coming. Oh Whoa. yeah, you hear a noise.
1: <laughs> and we're safe, we're good to
0: go. Yeah, it's just like pause <laughs> and we're good to go. So, yeah, this was definitely an older brother special. And, of course, with the older brother special comes, because he's older and obviously has some greater depth of understanding when it comes to Mm -hmm. these kind of movies, a running commentary from him. Oh, look, he's using this gun and that gun. (laughs) Oh, look, he's using this explosive. Oh, that's a such-and-such-arm vehicle.
1: So how old would you have been, do you reckon? Probably about 10 okay which made your brother 16, 16 17 16 so at what level of expertise did he really <laughs> have because obviously as a 10 year old you're thinking he is like the world expert on oh, yeah. guns he ammunition uses. and explosives yeah. and in rea- in reality he knows sod all <laughs> about
0: <laughs> not any any knowledge he had of that kind of thing Came from was just gleaned from other films, right? <laughs> so okay. It's just like, oh, he's obviously seen more films than me, so he knows. Yes. He's, he's seen Terminator, he's seen Rambo, he's seen Predator, he's seen all these movies. Commando. He's seen... but to you as a ten-year-old, he is yeah, just he is God. It's the font of all all knowledge. knowing. Yeah, right. He's introducing <laughs> yeah. me to the world via yeah. the VCR, the Combi VCR. <laughs> so this was like. Yeah, something else to be able to see this movie, which was... Yeah.
1: Well, I I know exactly when I watched this for the first time. Oh, no. I have vivid memories mm-hmm. of watching it because it left me quite scarred, <laughs> one scene in particular. I was six right. when I watched this film, oh. and we watched it as a family. <laughs> my, da- my dad... So this is complete opposite to... to, to yeah you you might look you might very well look puzzled so i think my dad was desperate to watch this film Um, and i think he just went blow it we'll we'll rent it rent it from the from the video shop and we'll sit down and watch it together as a family not really thinking about the fact that i was six and you know, so my brother would have been... He would have been 13. So I, could, I, I appreciate, like, he would have wanted to watch it with with my two older siblings. Because mm. they would have been, you know, sort of passable in age to watch it. Yeah. Just about 13, 12, something like that. But me as a six-year-old, I think that that's, that's a bit...
0: Yeah, you're not... It's like, a bit much. I'm thinking of my youngest now who is five. And thinking, yeah. even in a year's time, he is not ready no. for this. He no, is not ready but for Die Hard, for Hans Gruber and his crew yeah. of hard-hitting German terrorists. Yeah, yeah that's a bit mad. Do you, think, do you know? I had a similar experience with my dad. Probably not as to the same extent as this, but kind of one that I kind of I look back on now and go, "Well, one, how did I get in? And mm-hmm. two, so." I remember one weekend. Don't know where all my siblings were. My dad was at home. He obviously didn't have anything on, and my dad really wanted to see Jurassic Park. All
1: oh, right.
0: And I know I wasn't. It's a, like a twelve. I know. I no, wasn't. it was a p. It was a PG. And I don't think it was. So now I think because we looked at it recently for our kids and said because they've always they watched like some of the Jurassic Park spin off cartoons on. um, Oh, right. On Netflix or whatever, and so they were into the idea of Jurassic Park, and Kirsten's like, "Maybe we can, our older two, watch it." And the certain bits where, yeah, they're quite graphic, and it was mm. it was genuinely starting to scare them, and we're like, "Okay, mm. maybe we'll turn it off for now." And if you feel like you may be able to watch it another time, we can we can put it back on. Um, I want to say it was a twelve, and I must okay. have been about ten or eleven at the time. And the thing, I,
1: yeah I was about the same the comparative the
0: same. difference as to what other kids were watching and what I was watching was that same weekend two of my mates from my school from class went to watch the Tom and Jerry movie <laughs> whereas my dad said come on son we're going to go watch Jurassic Park
1: well I agree with your dad he made the right choice and he
0: totally, it was because he wanted to watch it at the end of the yeah. day and he went come on let's go so it was just me and him And I remember it was a proper, like, my dad, he doesn't do the running commentary, but he does do the audible response to stuff as it's happening. So guy gets bitten off the toilet by a T-Rex. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Hey, Whoa, look at that. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> do you think, he, do you think he was trying to maybe like lighten the mood? So you wouldn't be yeah, too scared? It's, it's maybe. comedic.
0: The one thing I remember I was kind of a little bit scared of was the one that spits the stuff in the face of the guy. And then he, the the he, Dilophosaurus. The Dilophosaurus, yeah, who spits it in his face and then eats him in the car. The fact that yeah. he's trying to get away with the DNA. Yeah. And, um so, yeah, like those moments were a little bit, I kind of found myself looking, you know, in a different direction. <laughs> looking so to him
1: for reassurance. Looking, oh,
0: where's my, oh, where, how am I doing with my popcorn and my sweets? I'll just have a look down and not look at the screen.
1: Well, yeah, imagine. Okay, so I'm just going to jump straight to the bit that terrified me. Yes. Or, or could you Could you maybe guess which bit I found? I, I, asked, I asked Robin this, like, as we were watching it, like, Told her like point out the bit which terrified me mm. as a six year old
0: watching this. She, she couldn't, couldn't get it. She couldn't get it. Was it? Is it a specific killing of some kind?
1: No, no, it's not a killing.
0: Is it the bit with the glass on the floor?
1: Nope.
0: No, no. Oh, well, I don't. I don't know. There are numerous bits, I suppose, of to a young mind would be mortified. Well, you would you, would. you
1: would. Im- you would imagine it's a bit like where his. Shooting, shooting them from like under the table, and you see their legs like explode with yeah, like bullet he's holes.
0: Yeah, under nope, the
1: table. No, not 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 that bit. Um, it's the bit. It's the bit where Carl, at the very very end, oh, we think Carl's dead. Yeah, we think he's been no. he's been hung, and he kind of like he bursts. He emerges, and he's and it's the way his face is covered in blood, <laughs> and the way he kind of like it's almost like he's rising up from the dead. And he's like, pull, he pulls his gun up, and it's just literally that, that image. Yeah, Te- wow.
0: absolutely terrified me. It's probably because at that point too, you've been led to believe that all uh, is it's all, all over. Is one, all is done. Yeah, John yeah, McLean and Holly are in each other's arms. They're out the building. They've met. Flipping what's his name? Powell. Powell's come to meet them, and they're yeah, just in that moment of them Yeah, about to embrace.
1: So maybe, yeah. So maybe I've gone through all all because I've lived that as a six year old. You you live the film that you're watching. Yeah, you're in it. So I've lived through all that horrible, scary, scariness. <laughs> and I'm, i yeah. My 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 defenses are down. And then all of, all of a all sudden, of a
0: sudden <laughs> Carl caught you off guard. Carl oh, and your ti- your tiny mind was yeah. was truly. Uh, traumatized.
1: Yeah, well, can we talk? Really I wants... want to
0: talk first of all about one of the most important features, one of the features that really sells it to me, as mm. a bit of the genuine details that Hollywood picks up on to really sell a, a story to you and a character. Even mm-hmm. it's the idea of, and I know we've kind of spoken about this before, is that of the head poo, the fact yes. that the ponytail yeah now these are german terrorists, okay mm-hmm. now, I lived in Germany for five years,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I never thought I'd seen as many head poses as I had in one place in my lifetime but the the ponytail on the older, more sophisticated gentleman is seen almost like some kind of badge of honor like it's a genuine really? it's a genuine outer physical expression of sophistication.
1: <laughs> so even if he's even if he's like heavily receding and it's gone very thin. Yeah, scraped
0: back into okay, like yeah. a little tiny head poo. Right. And um just yeah, I, I used to get when a first couple of years of living there, um I used to get a, a train and then a tram to work. And on the tram in between these two stops, I, I obviously used to go at the same time as this one German guy heading to work. He looked like a trader, in fact, like a city trader. Frankfurt's the financial capital yeah, yes. of of Europe. So he looked like he was going to work in the city. And it was like Karl Lagerfeld was getting on the train every morning. <laughs> so full, full three-piece suit, exceptionally nice. dressed, lovely pair of... Double-breasted? Not double-breasted, but he would often mm-hmm. have a waistcoat underneath. Oh, lovely. Nice touch. Uh, a pair of like handmade, I'm assuming they looked handmade, monk strap shoes. Um and then in the winter this is why I say Karl Lagerfeld, he would have like a pair of leather gloves, just mm-hmm. and he was always carrying a briefcase. And mm-hmm. yeah, a grey older gentleman, grey, scraped back and it wasn't uncommon, like I say, to see older fellas in Germany wow. wearing their hair like that. So to see these guys in the movie couple of guys, one guy in his lady yakka as he comes on mm-hmm. straight at the start and he's there um with his head poo and then all the other guys, even though they've not got it worn back it was almost like a little bit of a Hollywood nod to European style to say yeah, that the, the older European gentleman, he likes to wear his hair in like a, a longer style or sometimes I don't know, I'm doing a Dutch accent now <laughs> in a longer style or sometimes like scrape back into a ponytail, yeah, it's a nice touch so yeah, it was nice to see those details being adhered to. Mm-hmm. Albeit, Rickman's hair, as Hans, is beautifully coiffed.
1: Oh, yes, yeah, no, it absolutely is, yeah. It's
0: perfect. It's swept back, not scraped, but swept. It's thick, it's voluminous, mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. lustrous. Mm-hmm. It's a very, it's like the living embodiment of, of gentlemanly, 80s mm-hmm. gentlemanly style. And he, yeah. wore, he wore it very well. And he and he's he's got a
1: very nicely trimmed beard. Very, but oh, it's, yeah. but it's very the shape of it is very, very nice. Meticulous. Meticulous. I yeah. And I think
0: that was to embody his character, his his meticulous nature. Well
1: okay, so let's 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 compare him to was his name Ellis? Harry Ellis? Ellis, the, which one the was co- Ellis? the coke's the coke snorting
0: okay yeah the toad do yeah douche so, the, yeah, Should, the, can we call him a douche the co- i think we can call him a douche yeah, yeah. okay so yeah holly's co worker in the in, holly's in i Macotone. think i think
1: his name's i think his name's harry ellis Elliot. i just know
0: they call him ellis don't they? Yeah.
1: ellis okay well because okay so you've got you've got alan rickman's character hans so you've got hans Who who is like yeah the the German business? He's like you say suited, he looks like a businessman. He looks Mm. like he could be CEO of 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 a of a company. Yeah, and then and then you've got Ellis who who is your your stereotypical eighties yuppie kind of business. You know, almost like a Bateman from yes uh, uh american psycho that kind of you know um vice president type you know yeah. you, you know mm. that he he would probably use the services of a sex worker and then probably kill them after yeah. afterwards and then have somebody
0: um, dispose of it for him because he's rich enough yes not to care yeah
1: exactly <laughs> yeah he just goes use sort go sort that out yeah. there's a mess in there go sort that out mm. um now he doesn't pull it off anywhere near as well. It it's like he's trying. Hans Hans has that style. Hans is he is not trying. There is no sense of that he, he is really trying to impress anybody. He's just he's got it. Whereas Ellis, his his lap- his his shoulders are way too wide. He's, <laughs> he's 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 trying he's trying to he's he's a bit of a peacock, right? Yes. There's not a lot going on there, but he's he's trying to show that that and it, and he's relying on coke for his confidence. Yeah. Whereas Hans, ha- I don't think ha- Hans is a clean living kind of guy. Yeah.
0: It's effortless for Hans. Effortless. It? Yeah. Whereas it's all Alice is all fur coat and no knickers. And,
1: yeah. Exactly. Mm. Exactly.
0: Yes, I think it's also the contrast between European styling yeah. and American styling is yeah. brash, loud, confidence. Yes, it's all about the power suit, power tie, mm-hmm. all of that kind of thing. Whereas, yeah, European style is a bit more understated. <laughs> so,
1: I mean, there's there's a bit so the bit where he 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 takes takes it upon himself to he's he's almost giving up. John McClane isn't he to mm. let me address this they're referred to as terrorists and they're not this really frustrates me that every film made in the 80s and early 90s of this type they're always referred to as terrorists the bad guys are always terrorists mm. Hans and his and his group at best are carrying out a heist yeah, it's like a and high level heist. I don't think I don't think that constitutes terrorism. Terrorism is performing acts of terror for the purpose of instilling fear in people. You yeah. think think back to some of the worst terrorist atrocities, yeah. and they're all about just making the, the general public not feel safe. And it's that fear of like we could be attacked in any moment. A bomb could go off. You know, uh, we could be, you know psycho gunmen yeah. shoot us down in well, there's, in, in there's the supermarket like a, or whatever.
0: There's like a societal consequence, isn't there, with terrorists. Yes. Whereas yes. this is just they've kidnapped some people. Yes. Okay. So they've got Fine. they've got a hostage situation. Yeah. But beyond the realms of Nakatomi Tower, nobody else really cares, do they?
1: No. No. Exactly. So I think I think the label of terrorist is wrongly placed mm. in this situation. But it, its I get that it's just shorthand. But come on, we we need to use labels correctly. And I think that this is an, an instance when the label of terrorism... It's an insult to every, a good, if, honest terrorist. <laughs> to actual terrorists, yeah. Cause, because the trouble is you call everybody a terrorist and then it
0: loses its meaning. It also undermines the idea of singling out common criminals for what they are. Sure. Because yeah. then you'll have people jumping on the bandwagon, I'm not a thief, I'm a terrorist.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, like, and we can't wouldn't... have everybody walking around saying they're a terrorist yeah. when they're not really a terrorist. Terrorist
0: has to be earned. Oh, Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah.
1: Indeed. Anyway.
0: So, favourite moments. Now, uh, it's almost like sometimes I don't want to draw attention to the more well-known aspects of this film. Yeah. So with regards to lines, everybody knows the yippie kai, yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah. knows the now I have a machine gun. Ho, yeah. ho, ho. Although
1: I would like that as a Christmas jumper. That is a Christmas
0: jumper. I would wear. I'm pretty sure you can get them. Can you not?
1: I'm sh- I'm sure you can. Yeah. But I, on rewatching it, I I said to Robin, that is the only type of Christmas jumper,
0: and I would be proud to wear that. I'm pretty sure. Sh- I'm 100 I'm sure you can get those. Uh, yeah, to wear.
1: I don't know that I'd go out and specifically buy it but if it was bought for me I'd wear it on Christmas Day mm. just saying
0: so first of all I suppose I want to because we're, we're looking at an 80s film which would have typically been watched in a cinema and projected mm. you, acquired first and foremost on a 35mm film projected on film we then get away with a lot of stuff with regards to special effects and stuntmen Whereas when you digitize that, um, Mm. film, I looked up, film has like millions of pixels. It can be enlarged really well. That's the beauty part of it. So when you digitize it, um, you can go quite large. And of course, though, when it's been digitized at like 4K, we then pick up on all the little details that give away some of the special effects and stunts. Mm. And right in the opening sequence, there's a moment where, Carl's brother, the one who gets killed in the one of the ensuing skirmishes, is making his way through the building. It's apparent mm-hmm. that he's familiar with the plans of the building, but he's having to remember it. And he's going, you know, links, rechts, links, going, rechts. You're going through left and right. Oder links. Oder links, yeah, next to rechts. And um, and then he goes down a stairwell. <laughs> and as he goes down the stairwell, it cuts to an obvious Rear shot of a stuntman because he goes down the stairwell sliding on it, either banister either the yeah. side. And it's this really bad blonde wig. It's the, yeah. it's the girl's world shot again, isn't it? The yeah. idea they just gone, what can we do? We'll sell it to the audience that this is him. Go get fetch that blonde wig out of wardrobe and put it on Flipping <laughs> Bruce, the stuntman. Well,
1: the- I'm I'm terrible at recognising wigs. And I think that maybe that's because I'm a bald man and I don't have that <laughs> constant kind of reference to go back to all the time. Oh. But even I picked that out I in an instant. Week. Oh, instantly. Right in yeah.
0: the opening, right in that sequence when they yeah. come in. And, yeah. um, and it's just like, hang on, I'm not buying that. That's the most flaccid looking wig that you've perched on that poor dude's head just yeah like. it's
1: terrible that and the and and the, and the fight the trouble is is that like those fight scenes where it's like him and John McClane and they're dude. fighting and the, and the trouble is is like yeah it's so obviously not them yeah
0: cut to a and wide the, and it's two stuntmen yeah, just going for it with a bit yeah. of dirt on his face and a vest just going toe to toe with somebody else
1: um, 4k ruins it that, that is the trouble with ultra high definition yeah, is it? It, it does
0: ruin those moments it was like i mean i don't want to go too much into it because i remember we might even do this as a, a film but when i watched when blu-ray first came out we all started oh yeah we're going to start watching stuff in high def and my mate who i lived with at uni had got this blu-ray player I'm like oh what movies can we get to watch in high def for the first time and he went and got commando <laughs> and we were watching some of the dodgiest oh, of no. special effects on Commando. It's brilliant. Like, uh, like I say, if we ever do it, you could have you could have a whole show on some of the effects um, that get highlighted. That was just high def. That wasn't even 4K at that point. That's like 1080P. Yeah. But yeah, it was always fun to watch those wig and stuntman moments during Die Hard and the uh, a lot of the stunt scenes. Um, were there any other? Uh, moments which you particularly enjoyed. Well,
1: uh, not that I. Well, I mean, for obviously the the star of this film, other than Bruce Willis, is the vest, and and it was I was really pleased to see that we see the vest go through its very, its slow, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> because because we first see it at fourteen minutes in. Just there it is in all its bright on. white. Bright white glory mm. as he's as he's getting washed up or whatever, and then the terrorism start. Oh, damn it! I said terrorism. Said Come on, I, because it's ingrained in me because it's constantly. This is a the trouble they they keep putting these labels on it, and you, and it just absorbs into your yeah, mind. So you keep buying into it. The bad guys yeah, the bust bad. in and start shooting shooting up the place, and he, he he doesn't have time to put to put another top on. But it goes, yeah, and then it just kind of goes from like... A little bit of blood stain after he kills Carl's brother yeah. and you know, and he's been he's been blooded up a little bit, and then we start to get like a bit really grubby and then and then by the end it's not even there's so much kind it's of just like bloody fluid and
0: Brown, isn't it? <laughs> yeah,
1: it's gross. It's gross. But I like I like seeing the evolution of the vest.
0: Do you know it's interesting because we all know the phrase man in a vest. Man in a vest in relation to the action movie. But I'm like, mm-hmm. did this start? the man in the vest I phenomenon
1: I can't think of one prior I'm I'm sure there were men in vests prior to this in action movies but I think this one is when you think of man in a vest you immediately think you, you immediately think of Die Hard
0: yeah Willis not just Die Hard Bruce Willis in so many roles like we did Fifth Element he spends the whole He's time in a vest man in a rubber yeah. vest
1: and that, that's only like seven or eight years after this. Can you believe that? How many years? Die, well, die, if Die Hard was 1988, yeah. when was, when was um, Fifth Element? Probably 97, 98. So maybe 10 years later.
0: He's eight, he aged a lot though, didn't he, in between the two roles? Yeah. Yeah,
1: well, he was like 30. I think he was about 35 when he did Die Hard. Right. In, it, right, this is, this is something that we forget about as well is staggered release dates for films through, throughout the world. So this this was released in July 1988 in yeah. the states. Yeah. So not a Christmas film released in July. Yeah. So that kind of throws this into mm. a bit of disarray, but never mind we'll we'll skip over that. It wasn't released in the UK until February 89.
0: Yeah, there was a big there was World Six released it. Later. Really did. Um, like you could yeah. go. It was almost like a phenomenon, wasn't it? Like if you had a mate who went to America, yeah, on it's holiday, been in America.
1: Yeah, what, no, what, what movies that.
0: did you see? What did you yeah. get that you can't get over here yet? Yeah, um, yeah, because you could literally be waiting until another year until it came out.
1: Could you imagine? in in the world in which we live now with instant gratification and everything at your fingertips and you have to wait six months for a film that's come out over the other side of the world you've got to wait for it to be, to be released in your country yeah. I mean I get annoyed when I go on YouTube and it says the uploader hasn't made this available in your country how
0: dare they <laughs>
1: yeah what the hell is this
0: yeah but then again, it comes down to physical distribution, doesn't it? So it was the idea yeah. that they had to reproduce all of the projection film ready yeah. to be then distributed globally. And then they had Sent to they presumably prioritised that based on sales. So um, studios would go like Warner Brothers. Or I can't remember who this was. This was Fox, 20th century Fox would go. Yeah, it was. Okay, yeah. so we know USA is our biggest consumer. That obviously has to come out here first. Yeah, obviously. UK in Europe is probably our second best. How- Wait, was it was
1: released in France
0: before the UK. What? This is, what? Do you know what? This is the other <laughs> that's thing. Wild, isn't it? No, that's not wild because France has always been first, like a cinema-going nation. In as much as, ah. in terms of the rest of the world, they probably have one of the most thriving movie industries going
1: well it's it's they they protect it though don't they. that there's there's a law i'm sure it's something like it has there has to be a a minimum time between it being released at the cinema and then it coming out on like what streaming services or what it would be now or like on video or like on tv it was and it's like kind of like years
0: but yeah so i mean in terms of uh went th- movie production in its infancy like I studied right. this at uni when we did um, what was it uh, studies in media history we were looking at the evolution of the moving image and who adopted mm. it first and who consequently became kind of the leading lights in in movie production it was the USA France and Japan who really adopted ah, it because right. the Japanese okay. as well have a really uh, yeah. have their own thriving movie industry in their own right. country Um, So to say that it would come out in France before the UK, the UK by comparison to the US uh, and France probably had a fledgling movie industry. It's it's grown a lot since then. But um, yeah, the British film industry by comparison was probably limited. Probably even in terms Mm, of resources to then distribute the movies. Um, They would have people from the studios in those countries ready to... To distribute it because that's what it was all about. Box office was all about distribution. What are your distribution channels? How are you going to make the budget back and then some to right. pay for what would become hopefully a successful film? Whereas mm. now, yeah, it's it's just streamed, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Um, well,
1: interest I just found that into again. It was while I was watching it, and I was on my yes. phone.
0: So I suppose, yeah. I mean standout moments for me if we're talking about also comparisons between then and now the thing that made me chuckle was um i had a laugh when powell's loading up on twinkies in the convenience store in the garage the service station he comes out and the price for fuel over there in america at the time was 78.9 cents per liter for no, that'd have been a that'd have been a gallon. A gallon, per even. gallon, a gallon. So what's that per litre? I don't even know. It's like
1: it's like four, but it, I think a gallon is like four point something liters. Yeah.
0: So I looked at that, the, the price then, what that would have been in terms of our exchange rate, <laughs> right? And that was forty three pence per gallon for fuel. So it have been
1: about like ten pence a litre or something. Yeah. So there. I
0: then looked up at. Um, I looked up the percentage. That's a three hundred percent increase between then and now, and what wow. we're currently paying. And I'm doing it in litres as well, so it's probably yeah. It's more. It would be more than that. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of funny to see that. Have you ever had a Twinkie? Do you know? What? I don't think I
1: have. They are gross. They look. By all all estimates, they look really nice because it's just cream inside, like a, a cake. like a like a cake finger. Yeah, but um, they are the
0: worst, just absolute garbage. I had I had a. Someone came to a party I was at not so long ago. And everyone was you were at a party, not <laughs> that not, long ago. It's not that interesting. It was a party at church with my wife. Oh. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Don't be thinking I was. I'm making out like some kind of socialite here.
1: I thought there was going to be somebody in the corner vote for a copy in their bum.
0: Yeah, someone's <laughs> and handing out pictures of their arse. Yeah, no, oh. so at uh, church that my wife goes to we're all invited and the more I describe this the more you're gonna go oh, yeah of course this is a moment okay. church too." Um everyone was asked to bring something uh, bring along uh, a, d- a dessert a savory whatever mm. and I came along people had brought some really nice food in fairness so I was enjoying all the stuff that people had made and then someone played it cheap and lazy and I think they thought because it was semi-exotic that they'd get away with it, but it was grim and nobody touched it. And I thought, Sergey <laughs> flipping right for being lazy. They brought these cakes that were American because mm-hmm. their brother actually has a, mm-hmm. an import and distribution business for American candy, desserts, drinks, all of that kind of thing. Well, you see, nice. he's pretty successful doing it. So she'd gotten hold, I think she actually works for him. So she'd gotten hold of these cake things and brought them in, and it, the components were kind of similar to the the Twinkie creamy cake finger things. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I'll have one. And my first <laughs> my first warning sign should have been as I opened the pack. I then found they were all again individually wrapped in this mm-hmm. plastic. My set, oh, I suppose, my first warning should have been: these things have been imported from America, and they're still. Mm-hmm. Meant to be fresh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I go and I go into it and I'm eating it. And this is no exaggeration. I can literally taste chemicals. <laughs> yeah. I'm eating this cake and I can literally taste the chemical, the preservatives, components yeah. of this this yeah. thing in the cream, in the sponge, everything. The texture's all off. It's all wrong, mm-hmm. and I just—I I finished it. Thankfully, it was small. I finished it because she was stood there right next to me. <laughs> and I felt obliged. <laughs> but when the, in
1: reality, you wanted to spit it in I her face, to
0: spit it out, and say, "I can't believe you let me put this in my mouth." Take these back and never let anybody look at these. Let alone it, that
1: might—that might very well have been a Twinkie because that's—it that's was. Kind of... I'd
0: have rem- if it was Twinkie. I'd have remembered because everyone knows.
1: Name, maybe it was like a knockoff Twinkie.
0: It might have been like the same company that makes Twinkies, and they've done like these are cake. I remember what it was now. They were flipping (sighs) being branded as like birthday cake slices, so it had like a frosting on top, a creamy center, a sponge, and like sprinkles. Uh, It's birthday cake. Yeah, and have an individually wrapped birthday cake slice or whatever. Okay. But, but not even so like are... a mystic, like even Mr. Kipling would have knocked this flipping thing on its own. Yeah.
1: Well, because I was just thinking about like, so I'm thinking about a British equivalency and I'm thinking with cream and stuff. Swiss roll, like a, a like mini, a mini roll, roll. A mini roll, yeah. But a
0: mini roll is really nice. Yeah, a mini roll has its place. You don't eat it and go, this tastes like flipping ICI. Yeah, I don't feel like yeah, I'm this, eating... This,
1: does, this this. tastes like it's been baked, not created in a
0: laboratory. Yeah, I don't feel like I'm eating a can of paint and varnish yeah. when I eat this yeah. thing. Which is literally, it's the notes <laughs> from the cake. <laughs> I was literally getting notes of paint and varnish from this yeah. flipping cake. Mm. And I'm like, that's not right, man. This is, something's off
1: do you know what I hated about this on the rewatch and again it comes down to sentiment mm. is that the relationship between between him and John are mm. uh, it's so cringy like all this kind of like what does he call does he call him cowboy or something he's calling what, him Roy partner.
0: first Roy like Roy Rogers yeah. and then yeah cowboy and all that uh,
1: it's it's awful awful I hate it and then he starts talking about the time he shot that kid and he's not shot a gun since and it's just like oh I can't, I can't stand those bits <laughs> I could cut every single one of those scenes out because yeah. it just it's it's bad Well,
0: I, I watched it and I thought hang on this was real life as soon as the police chief turned up and they thought it was a terrorist hostage situation you'd have been relieved mm-hmm. straight away Oh yeah, because he's just like a go, beat cop, you, isn't he? Yeah, you go work on point somewhere else. You're not yeah. going to be on the radio, man inside. You're not special. Got,
1: <laughs> regardless of how the teacher from the be- Breakfast Club is so dismissive of like the whole situation, <laughs> yeah, he would as all let... the police are. Like when 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 John calls it in over the radio and the two police women are like. Uh, this is a this is a secure line. You need to phone nine one one. And despite they hear gunshots and stuff, it's like, oh check, yeah, <laughs> check oh, it go out. Go check if you want, but whatever. It's just like the police are so inept. Apart from, apart from your main man, yes. and uh, and John.
0: Well, bringing it back now to to more jovial things. Yes. What would you say your as with all action movies, we have to ask, what was your favourite death?
1: my favorite
0: death um
1: hmm i mean uh, apart from hans is is like
0: the it's the iconic the most character. iconic
1: yeah. yeah i mean his his face as he's being dropped off that building mm. is is fantastic
0: do you know apart- the story behind that well, I don't. I don't think he was expecting it, was he? No. Yeah. So the the stunt team, they'd set up all day for this one shot because it was yes. one where Alan Rickman was legitimately going to be in the shot. They have yes. got the big, um, like it's almost like an inflatable, isn't it? It's not a bouncy castle because you kind of fall into it. Fall into it. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. It but kind of collapses in. Yeah, like it so. collapses in,
0: but then completely breaks the fall. And so they'd suspended Alan Rickman on this platform. It was all blue screen at the time, no green screen, it was all blue. Um, and they had to get it high enough so that even when they were slowing it right down to so many frames you know, a second, that it'd have enough falling time to really make a big dramatic death right. uh, shot of it. And also to make it worthwhile, I suppose. So he was so many stories up on this. Okay. uh, uh, I'm assuming it would have been like a crane, uh, like a cherry picker thing, but really quite high. And yeah, so the lead stunt coordinator of that particular shot um, goes to the director. I'm going to go up there. And what we'll do is we'll get him prepped and ready. He knows what's going to happen. He knows he's safe. But we'll do it on instead of doing it on three we'll do it on like one and just drop it Right. and you'll get a really good reaction shot because he will genuinely he won't be expecting it he'll panic it. Then, yeah, he'll, there'll be an yeah. immediate natural reaction right. to do the old swim in the air kind of thing <laughs> and it, I don't know what the shot at maybe close to like 120 frames a second and you're watching mm. the movie at uh, 24 frames a second so they can slow it right down as he's, mm. he's going and the quality is still really good yeah and you don't lose yeah. any of that detail in the movement of motion yeah. blur and all of that so he, um, yeah get to one clink yeah, down goes Alan Rickman and hence why you get this fantastic reaction shot well it,
1: well done that stunt coordinator because that is brilliant <laughs> yeah Cause it works. Cause it's like that. The, that scene, and obviously the other iconic one where where John jumps. Off, he's wrapped himself in the in the hose, oh, and he yes. jumps yeah. off the building, and the explosion in the background. Yeah. So that that is iconic. Uh, hands yeah. falling is iconic. The bit where um, John's in like the the air vent. Oh, and He's got no. the lighter. Yeah, that and him. that that's iconic. It's just there's a but sorry so going back to deaths. the, the at favorite me, death. deaths. Hmm. I mean it's it's over in a in a second. But Carl's brother, when they they just kind of like grapple and like he falls down yeah. the stairs. Isn't that um, his
0: first? That's his first killing. That's it. So. I think
1: that is. I think that is the first kill. I can't really think of one that's like. I, I think, wouldn't say I have a favorite death.
0: I think my favorite would be. The is he meant to be Italian? The other guy who he does shoot through the table, and he's got him. He's like, "I got you." Oh, right yeah. Now. If you ever get a chance to kill a man, yeah, you should. You should don't do hesit- it. Don't hesitate. Doesn't he say, "Don't don't hesitate"? Yeah, yeah. And then he's just like, <laughs> quick, rapid fire with the the yes, the um, it's not a revolver with his gun. And then it just yeah, blitzes all the way up his legs. You say the special oh, effect, yeah. we've just gone right, we're gonna line your legs with <laughs> little exploding blood packs and it's just gonna go all the way up your body in sequence. And then yeah, it gets to the top. <laughs> Down he goes. Albeit I know we've discussed this, I think we discussed it in the last one. There was an electrocuted baboon death in this. Yes. So, you sent me the video. Yeah. Um, I went it the the security guard who gets greased right at the start when they're taking out the mm. um, the building and taking over. Mm-hmm. Poof, he just does it. I think he's the first one who did they even mean to do it. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, cuz he throws the little puck like like stun gun, or stun yes. grenade round the corner. Slides round and then Carl poof pops him and he strikes a little. Pauses <laughs> <pose laughs> as before he goes down, freezes and down he goes. Um so I do enjoy an over, overly elaborate freeze death which we got from the security guard
1: i wonder i wonder why that is because surely people have seen people don't freeze like that do they when they get shot do they
0: i I can't say i've ever seen anybody legit get shot i don't think well i i we watched a
1: film in humanities in year nine and there was lots of old like wartime footage of like Mm. people being like awful stuff people being lined up by a pit (laughs) so they've been see this well I don't know what we were watching but it was it was almost like uh, man's inhumanity to man so it had been like like wartime kind of things and they'd like line people up next to a pit just like shoot them all in a row and then they just like fall into the pit so it's like executions basically yeah Yeah. and and then like mass burials and stuff awful 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 stuff I suppose some people did would just kind of like Stiffen, up, stiffen up at first And then freeze Maybe, maybe, maybe it is true to life I'll tell you what's not true to life though Is when you get shot in your legs and they explode from. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not true to yeah, life if, if the I bullet think... is
0: passing through your body In the opposite direction Why would there be an outward explosion Yeah
1: coming towards where the bullet Entered yeah. the In the opposite yeah. direction yeah. No.
0: Out but, the back maybe, if it passed
1: through. Yeah, if you get if you get an exit wound, yeah, or it'd make a it make a real mess, that would.
0: That would make a real mess. You see you just did something that my brother did when we first watched the movie. Yeah, if you get an exit wound <laughs> But I mean, when have you seen an exit wound?
2: Never. Or seen
0: somebody get shot and it's gone through the man out the back? No. Well but yeah, but I tell you now, it's an exit wound though, isn't it?
1: <laughs> because if you just talk like you know what you're talking it about it was a confidence it, trick. Yeah, for a yeah, split second
0: confidence. i bought it i totally bought it <laughs> oh gosh so we get to the end all is said and done we realize mm. hans and his cronies are just after the money yeah hans in the process gets caught by mclean in the end he gets killed we get to the point which you've already mentioned where um Carl's reemerged. Yeah. And then Powell of course takes that that shot that he's been so hesitant to take after he mm-hmm. was he was demoted to the desk. And then so he's absolutely stinking in he, John McLean. Oh yeah. And he and his wife I'm surprised she's getting as close to him as she does, to mm-hmm. be fair. But she does. And um anyway, they've had the kiss you happy moments. Carl's dead, Powell shot him. And Argyle, the limo driver who picked him up uh-huh. in the first instance, he's like, where do you need to go? Let's get you in the back of the limo and we'll take you there. And I'm like, he was a cabbie before he said he was a limo driver. And I'm yes, like, I'm right. sorry, mate. If you were a proper cabbie, like legit cabbie, you'd take one look at him. And before you get into the cab, you'd be totally worn. And it's like, well, I do have a, I've got a soil in charge. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm looking at the state of you, and just so you know, I've got a soiling charge before you get in the car. If yeah, because that limo is
1: going to need a deep clean after John's oh, been in there. Deep the,
0: clean. He would have been making a right mess. What do you reckon his soiling charge would have been
1: <laughs> for? For a limo? Oh, that you, you're talking into full detail. Yeah, you're talking hundreds of dollars. Hundred, back hundreds. Then, yeah, hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. Even then. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, what's i s I don't even know what a soil in charge would be in a cab these days. Have you ever been in a limo? I've not been in a limo. I've been in a private jet. On more than, one, more than one occasion, but I've not been in, I've not been in a limo, that's the irony of that.
1: Do you know the cl- the closest I've got to being in a limo is a uh, funeral limo. Okay, Do you know, like, a, like a stretched, a, stretched... Like a, a slightly
0: slightly stretched car. And they've got just... front and back facing seats in it.
1: Well no, ours was just from what I remember we weren't in it long, but I remember it just being like it just seemed to be like a couple of extra rows of seats. Mm. So yeah. not even not even like facing each other on the sides or anything, it was just literally like can you remember a what normal a of... normal saloon car with with more a few a couple, extra of extra rows
0: and more glass at the sides? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Can you remember what car it was? Like what? Brand... Uh, Ford Scorpio. I don't. I don't. <laughs> you see, I want to. I was. I've been in one as well when my nana died. Yeah, and it was yeah. when
1: my nan died. I know it wasn't.
0: It where my granddad died. So yeah, carry it on. A, it was a grandparent who died. And yeah, I remember, where did we go? We must have gone from like the whole, like their house. They weren't mm. there. There wasn't a viewing or anything, but we were all gathered at their house with my, it must have been, I think it was my granddad because I think my nana was still alive. So we all went there first and we were all taken, yeah, in those stretched uh, like funeral cars. And they were, mm. I think it was like a... Uh, a Vauxhall senator. Oh, nice! It was. it was a Vauxhall senator. Any favourite lines from Die Hard? Beyond the uh, the famous ones, of course. I was trying to
1: find. Well, yeah, this is a trouble. Apart apart from the famous ones, not. I mean, not not really. I mean, there was. Um, yeah, no it's it's all it's all the classics. It's it's the Yippee Kiyes and it's the
0: yeah. I, there was one line that. Um, Hans Gruber says at the start well not at the start sorry when um, they're sending in some of the kind of special forces police are coming all running in and they're trying to get Mm -hmm. into the front door and he doesn't want to create much of a scene in terms of a firefight between them and the police and those are the the baddies that are on the ground waiting for them to come in he says over the radio don't be impatient just wound them (laughs)
1: Well, you know that bit. This is the bit that I really—I I'd, I'd never noticed this before. So yeah, as as the SWAT team is sort of rushing up to to the building, what the, one rushes through like a like a rose bush, hmm. and he gets he gets pricked, and he goes, "Ow, <laughs> ow!" <laughs> yeah, and good. you do you do think like, "Oh, this is a pre—they're preparing us for them being
0: absolutely." Awful at yeah. their jobs like these no, these are not good SWAT teams. It's not gonna go well, is it, from that no. point on? If the flipping snowflakes getting pricked by the rose paddles and the And a, a,
1: not not a famous line or a favourite line, but did so the I'm just gonna use the word because they've used it, but the, one of the terrorists <laughs> <laughs> the A- the Asian terrorist yeah. did you did you recognise him did you know did what rec- else he was been in I
0: recognised him but I couldn't I should have looked it up but I was like oh he's been in loads of other stuff
1: well I, I don't know that he's been in loads of stuff that I've seen but I certainly recognised him and the moment I saw what other film he'd been in I was like that is where I know him from he played Genghis Khan in Bill and Ted's Excellent
0: Adventure. <laughs> yes, he did. That's it. I knew it. Yes. yes. Well, the moment that he's where he steals the show in this is the bit where every time I watch this film without fail, it immediately makes me want a Crunch chocolate bar. Yes. Yeah, is 100%. When he, he goes and he's like you say he's been sent down to counteract the yeah. the police special ops coming in and he's waiting. Right by the candy stand of yep. the Nakatomi Tower, and he sees the Crunch Bar, and it. Even though they've just taken hostages, armed to the gunwales, and they're about hey. to stick six million, he still takes a little cheeky look around before he nicks the Crunch Bar. That...
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. I like that. Yeah, but I really I t- like
0: guaranteed that. every time I go, oh, I could just stay with a little a Crunch Bar.
1: I, t- I tell you one other bit that that I, that I could have done without. So, John is 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 in is in like the the little alleyways and the little kind of service elevator kind of tunnels and and what have you. Mm. And he goes into one area, and you know this is an area where only workmen go because there's a topless picture of a, <laughs> yes, <laughs> of a woman. Of and it, and it, the first time he walks past, and he just gives it a, a side eye glance. Mm. I think that's understandable. Possibly, I might do the same thing if I was in
0: a high-pressure situation.
1: I might I, just give I wouldn't
0: have said he gives it a side eye. He, he doesn't stop. Okay. but he gives no. it a full-on lock yes, up and Yes. Okay. Well, but then
1: he circles back around to it after Carl and some other guy are in hot pursuit of him, trying to kill him, shoot him. As he like, you know, the bit where he like wedges the fan, and he yes, crawls yeah. just about crawls through the fan. He circles back around, and he gives it a pat as he walks past it the second time and I think that's a bit much in that kind of situation
0: <laughs> Well, like it was bringing him good luck
1: yeah well they, they, almost like he was just like maybe maybe good luck or maybe just I, I don't know what his thought process was this might was. be
0: my last visual therefore yeah. I'm just going to take a moment <laughs> to enjoy it <laughs> yeah.
1: but I just thought that was a bit much in that kind of high pressure situation Yeah. but maybe I, who knows what I would do in, in, in a similar situation when you're being chased down by an ex-ballet dancer, psycho terrorist, yeah. who's uh, who's after because you've killed his brother, and he is seeking revenge.
0: Yeah, who can cheat death? It would. seem yeah. as well. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I mean, I've not got much more to say about no. Die Hard. I think our two movie choices have been good. They've um, they've really brought about a sense of the festive. Season and spirit, um, mm. and hopefully we can uh, enjoy watching more as the, that time approaches.
1: Are we? Are we gonna? Have you got a, an idea for next for your next film? Next I know, you know. I know what mine is.
0: You know what it is. All right. Well, I yep. was going to suggest maybe we don't do it next time, but maybe we do it um, uh, one after or something like that. I was actually going to suggest. In January, maybe we do like a a film that we genuinely isn't just a schlock nonsense film Okay. <laughs> that we happen to have watched Okay. Um, growing up, but is more like um a film that we actually like and we still would repeatedly watch because we love it and it for many different reasons as to why we would okay. like it. Uh, could you I'd think of to, one have, now?
1: Off the off the top of my head, can I think of one now? Yeah.
0: Okay. I mean I can I can think of a um just another myconic film based on I mean I've got a list I, I refer to. But if you can think of a film that you genuinely love and is actually not just a film that we would class as myconic, but one that might even be, you know, critically acclaimed.
1: Okay, I've got I've got
0: two. Two. Yeah. Okay. Hit me
1: do you want do you want just one just one yeah we'll do just one okay okay so I'm gonna go for oh no I'm worried now I'm worried what your reaction's gonna be because I don't I don't wanna like no judgement
0: man this is like I'm, I'm not gonna mine's not exactly critically acclaimed so okay you hit me with yours first so I'm gonna go with things to do in Denver when you're dead
1: okay okay I'm Okay, well, this this works perfectly because there is a bit of crossover. Um, The Untouchables? Untouchables,
0: great. Oh, I'll enjoy... No, I will legitimately enjoy watching both of those over Christmas. And then we can pick up in January with both of uh, those. Indeed, a bit of crossover, a bit of Andy Garcia, Yes, yeah. In two very different roles. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, well, we wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year where we will see you with two more really personal Myconic films.